Hey everyone, welcome to the Opera Sky podcast. My name is Ricardo Monegas and I will be your host. On this podcast, we would like to share valuable knowledge, lessons learned, and stories from entrepreneurs, investors, and managers while running their businesses. We strive to ask the right questions and discover insights from our guests so you can apply them in your business and life right after each episode. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Hi everyone, today we're talking with Martin Bodotsky. He is the CEO of Threshold Capital. It's an interesting company bringing a different way to get finance into your business. Uh, they are helping SMEs and other type of businesses to uh, in their growth capital. We will be talking a lot about this topic and of course also about the story of Martin and what how he arrived to to start this company and, and of course what is his background and so on. So welcome Martin, how are you doing? Hi Ricardo, thank you for having me. I'm doing well. Nice weather in Vienna, you know, 22 degrees. I'm inside, you know, working and talking to you. So yeah, looking forward to it. Good. So uh, Martin, I, I mentioned that, yeah, so we will talk about your background. So maybe we can start from there. So uh, what what have you been doing in your, let's say, working life till now? So you always been an entrepreneur or how everything started? Oh, uh, yeah. So my story is a little bit, maybe not different, but uh, I started work at 18 um, as a software developer. Uh, I was one of those kids who loved the math and who loved the numbers from very early age. I'm also the son of the teacher, and she teaches the, taught the math and physics. Uh, I need to start because I need money, <laughs> obvious reasons. Uh, so I need to support my, myself uh, for whole university. Uh, but the journey of developer was very interesting to to see how the things are built and how to explore the how thing works. But what really like bring me to entrepreneurship was pretty much eight years ago when I was uh, studying at Oxford, uh, software engineering data science. And I basically realized I don't want to build software anymore. I want to build a solutions because that was the kind of very differentiated message which I got from the, from the, uh, from Ivy League University, we can say that, then you should not asking like what to build, uh, you, you should asking what to build, not how to build. So that was the kind of like changing point for me to start to, you know, experiment with companies, build some thinking how investment. And uh, yeah, I'm still trying to be very curious about this, about any topic in my life. Uh, for example, I never thought I can be good in selling. I never thought I will be willing to speak in front of T people. I never thought I will be on you know, speak with you on the podcast. There was something very foreign to me, you know, even 10 years ago when I was like very like mindful use functional developer. If you, if some of the people from audience will understand what it means functional developer. <laughs> good, good. So what are the pros and cons of the mindset you used to have as a developer and maybe they are helping you or reducing your productivity now in some level or that you need to be kind of keep in check that you are not thinking too much as an engineer maybe or <laughs> how do you feel on that <laughs> no that is it's still fighting with that because when you are a developer you're pretty much expecting to get a lot of certainty in your work because development per se is very uncertain endeavor. There is lots of moving parts, which you can move like, you know, frameworks and new programmer, programmer languages and, and, and others. And entrepreneurship, it's a little bit the same, but the uncertainty is so much, much, much bigger because you are not, because as a developer, you're mostly dealing with SDKs and the code with other people written. In entrepreneurship, you, you're dealing mostly like 100% with people. And they are more, more complex. So what I took from my life as a developer, it's something which many developers will know. It's come definition of done. Like, you know, when, when you are done with your job, like when you should, should stop doing it. <laughs> and in entrepreneurship, it's 
it's this like uh, lean approach, like the, the, it will never be 100% accurate. You may basically decide every time, okay, this is good enough to go out. This is good enough to go for selling. This is good enough to have a, you know, good numbers for next investment round. And this like definition of done really helped me to accurately say, okay, we're working in the product, we're working on the marketing campaign, like this is what we're expecting and it's good enough to go out. <laughs> Is the same as for developer, like this this code, it's good enough covering the expectation that was given to me because, of course, I can always improve. The code can be always quicker, nicely written, nicely documented, as the company can be always better performing, have a nice, have a more happy people, have more money. And uh, yeah, so definition of that, for sure. Mm -hmm. Good, good. So now... Coming to, to your current activities, let's say, so threshold capital. So uh, what does it mean? What are you doing? What are you bringing to the table? And how this started for you? Uh, because switching from, let's say, a pure developer to finance. So uh, he's a, maybe a huge jump. <laughs> but, <laughs> but No, no, no. It's, it's, if everything has this kind of little bit of reason. Uh, to dealing with money or to have like some like correlation with money, I built when I was I don't know, six years old. You know, I built my own bank. You know, I print my own money and try <laughs> to basically pay people in my household with the money to give me the things. Okay. Some were Even accepted reward. it or <laughs> yeah, only, only my mom expected uh, 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 accept the money and give me the food. <laughs> Everyone else was like basically kind of like you know irritated when I tried to basically sell them my coins. <laughs> <laughs> we just make we just making myself, and uh, I think at the time about six seven years ago there was uh, there was this question in my head like okay I would like to build something which is useful and I didn't did, it was really hard for me to figure out like what what to do like you know what would be my first company <laughs> and I was fasc uh, fascinated by investing on public stocks so my journey was basically I love development I love building the products and I love finance and fundamental analysis. And it's how FinTech started. And of course the threshold, it's some of the iteration during the last really seven, seven years. A threshold itself was an idea to say, okay, why banks cannot understand the small companies? Of course, the time I was <coughs> stupid, uh, very naive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But the threshold really focusing on the understanding of the small business in the wider scale. So put it a little bit simple, Treasure Capital is a financial platform which helping digital companies or SMEs, like small, medium enterprises, to access to access growth capital. Growth capital in, in form of the debt, because the debt is much simpler, better understood than equity. And it can really transparently uh, help them to understand their business. And uh, there are like three components which we, we do. We assess companies, we help them with the growth capital, and we underwrite, uh, underwrite those, those debts or the, the, the financing they're seeking. So we are not a fund. We are not the you know, only advisor. We are really like arranger, underwriter of the growth capital those companies seek. Uh, when you mention uh, digital companies, uh, how do you can you describe this? It means a startup building a tech uh, product, or or also service companies or other type of companies. Yeah, so so my differentiation one, which is look like what is digital business? Digital business is a company which operate with intangible assets. So these assets are like you know product, service, list of customers. Uh, which cannot be defined as a hard asset, so you can't really. It's it's intangible. So, which means you know you can't really like I would say a bank will understand this asset in, in the sense, and uh, mm. that's like very very general the, the definition. So it's a company who has intangible assets and make money on them. So it can be software development, software products, service companies. Because assets, it's not. It can be also knowledge. It can be source code. It can be a graphics. It can be an article. And in my own, you know, what's my ideal customer? It's a some business which operate at least two years, earn at least quarter million of euros, 
uh, in the last 12 months and can prove from accounting or business standpoint they are profitable. So it's, they already can say, yeah, my business is working. So I have, you know, I'm, I have opportunity to grow profitably. And that's, uh, that can be also the bootstrap business. It can be service business. It can be a startup who reached this point. I'm not really making a differentiation if it's a startup or very traditional business who put online. It's really only about if there, mm-hmm. there is ability to grow and their business is today profitable or very near to profitability. Okay. And what are the, you mentioned that, that the banks don't understand SMEs, right? But then uh, in, in, in certain level of naive, right? But um, so w- what is your differentiator compared to the bank? So if we can talk about why you yeah, exist yeah, yeah, and, that's, that's, and compared that's to the banks. That's very old rant to say, yeah, banks. They don't care. They just take their, their bloody money and they're like, you know, inefficient. We need to replace them and all these things. Like, you know, we all hate banks, uh, kind of the movement, you know, not even since 2000, 2000 but since they didn't give us money. <laughs> and they want these like thousands of papers around yourself. Uh, I should say the banks have a very distinctive place in the in the development of companies since the beginning. Like the banks was those who mm. supported in the past all growing companies whatsoever. So I will I I I'm still giving the banks a lot of credit. But banks are very rational about their decision where they use the individual approach and where they're using the purely automatic product approach. And they basically draw the line where their organization are profitable on the size of the business. So which means for them, for individual approach, which I need to do, you know, if you give the money for growth, it's, it need to be always individual approach. And they draw the line and basically say, you know, until you don't need one, two, three million euros and you are not good size to consume those money, sorry, the business is just too little to, to, to start using our individual approach. So it's very logical understanding. So I really try to focus on this gap, which is created, then the most bank says, okay, this is basically just too small. And I, if, even if I do this business, the, the fees which you are charged to the business will never really pay for my own expense. And of course, yes, because our banks are big, because our corporates, <laughs> they cannot be that flexible as a, me as a small business. And that's a natural gap, which I try to fill. Okay. And in this process of building your company at the moment, what is the, right now, the most proud moment you have enjoyed till now? So <laughs> if you have any of these moments. Uh, what, what do you mean, the problem or? No, I mean, uh, if you have achieved some goal that you have been proud now that thanks to starting your business. Oh, and of course, like there is... Uh... I'm very, very happy. I convinced some of my team, uh, t- team members to join me and working on this business because it's, uh, put it that way, especially Central Europe, the non-banking loans has a very, very bad name because after communism, uh, there was lots of, you know, sharky, sharky lenders who took, took the lots of houses for for, for the loans, which was designed in the way to be default. Like there was no, it was very, very hard. And it's still in many minds, it's a dirty business. I still feel even investors say, oh, lending, ah, eh. you know, that's, that's, you know, I would rather invest in sex toys than in the lending. Uh, so there is a still this, this feel. I also need, I also very happy for our early stage investors who supported the, my vision to build this company. So I'm very happy for that. I also very happy for the for the companies who gave me the opportunity to to describe them the business. Uh, yeah, I, there is many people who I'm very 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 grateful to be on board to have a supporters or also my mentors. So yeah, it's just it's a long list. It's it's I always say like the business is a it's a two thousand small wins. There is no single one because it's always built on the on the part of others. Mm. 
And now going to the other side of the coin. So do you have any failures that you would like to share and what you learned out of this in this process of, of starting threshold yeah. capital? I think um, I always, I always learning. I'll try to always learn as much as I can. And I will, if you, if I put it like the one failure again, it's not direct. I, I I was also naive when I started Treasure Capital just because I was VC or because I fundraised the fund before it will be easier for me. No. <laughs> no, there is a day, of course, there I have better, better network, you know, people pick up my phone. Uh, but no, that doesn't mean you will be super successful because you achieved something in previously. I haven't, I, I haven't achieved a success in the lending business. So no one give you that. Everybody will, will start telling you like, okay, you're doing something wrong. And I did something wrong. You know, I I hired bad people. <laughs> Then took took six months to realize like those people are basically wrong for the company. I tried to put, uh, and this is this is one of the one of, one of the entrepreneurs' problems which all of us carry on. We always try to hire somehow somehow people who are similar motivated than we are and even if it is my fourth business <laughs> i still doing this mistake which is like embedded in your mind so the failure will be to not listen to environment and to not change yourself and everyone doing it i'm doing it everyone doing it. it's basically it's a it's always struggle to be reflective to the environment to be reflective to the context Uh, about your company, you're still working with people, and also those people also changing changing as well. So I, I will say the the failure is, is sometimes I'm just too stubborn to change something, and don't recognize the environment changed. Now, if if we go more towards your process of threshold capital, so uh, you mentioned that one of the requirements is that a company have at least 250,000 euros as a, as a yearly uh, revenue, right? So uh, how so do, do you advise companies who hasn't even arrived to that level to help them to move to the, uh, to the higher levels and arrive to, to achieve the growth capital? Or how is the process for you? Or you just, okay, say, okay, you haven't achieved this, so I am not going to help you. Or how, how is your process into this, um, let's say, journey that the, the companies that you are collaborating? Oh, yeah, yeah. So we try to be very, like, customer-centric. So in the sense, we build the product around assessment and transparency, what we really are measuring on the company. Many times the company coming to us and say, "Yeah, you know, please, we would like to have, we would like to, you know, have some money." We do their assessment, and basically, most of the time, we 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 found something, or better say, our engine found something. The good thing on our part, as we are lenders, we can be very clear what we like to see in numbers and what we don't like to see. So we even create a report where the company see. Color, color coding, what is a good number, what is a bad number. <laughs> and with this report, after literally minutes, the company knows, okay, yeah, I probably need to change that, need to change that, need to change that, uh, because now I'm F minus, that's for our grade, like, yes, yeah, sorry, mate, try next time, at least in six months. <laughs> and this is, many times this is mind-blowing for companies, because neither banks and neither equity investors are treating them in this way. Of course, the equity investor don't have this in, the, in their disposal because equity is always the long-term game. But banks don't doing it, which is kind of sad. You know, banks saying, "Oh yeah, we will reject you based on something because if we tell you it's uh, it's our IP, we cannot tell you." So if the company come to us and say uh, we we mm -hmm. assess it, the company is F minus, we very clearly can say where is the issue, and then as a treasure capital, we have a list of the. I would say partnership with the with uh, companies like CFOs as service, software developer guys, lawyers, accountants, and similar. And we basically say, yeah, this is the list of the companies we believe they can help you. Reach them out and come back if when you when you're ready. 
or and this is a mm-hmm. another part where we see we basically tell them, guys you are not ready like there is lots of holes in your company for your growth you need equity investor because you know probably you have equity investor you grow very nicely but uh, you are not profitable yet you believe you are profitable because you reach the numbers you know one month with EBITDA positive but the problem is like that's your EBITDA in your eyes not in my eyes <laughs> and it's just one month which means not much <laughs> in the in the, this process so many times we basically turn around and say like you know improve your company or go for equity investor for underground and then come back mm-hmm. and so what are the the, you said this assessment, so is this completely manual or you develop some level of software or automation to help you uh, to speed up this assessment? No, it's, 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 a, it's a fully built product. So, of course, like uh, now we need to add some numbers still manually because uh, there is not uh, systems who, okay, the, the probably yes, but like most devel- m- most companies don't really have a, I don't know, fully fledged CRMs with computing all CACs, uh, CLVTs and other business metrics in some platform and just give you API and say, you know, take it. Uh, unfortunately, these, these days we ask them this information. We're also providing them with the materials how to com- compute them. We give them Excel sheets, we give them videos of me to tell them how to do it <laughs> but overall we can do and we, we have we also recorded a small internal video uh, last week where we can go from the you are giving us our, our, our data on one call we tell you what to fill we fill it and we come to the first offer for financing in below 20 minutes and this is something like mind-blowing like you know let, let's say you work in a bank with, with your financial statements in your hand and in 20 minutes you have a financial offer on the, on the web for growth not for the overdraft mm-hmm. and so it's fully developed we have a, like we have our assessment engine we have a loan pricing engine uh, and it's all embedded in like nice presentation and not nice excel sheet which you know we will tell you exactly how we will be repaid and uh, and pretty much presented the case if you want to do business with us Mm-hmm. Got it. And so you said, how does work the business model at the moment? So about the repayment for the companies is driven based on the revenue of the companies or is driven on, yeah, how does it work on, on that perspective? How do you evaluate it? If you can go and talk a bit about that. So what is the process? Let's say, okay, I have a company and I pass your assessment. So what is the timeline to repay the, the loan? Yes, yes. So, so at this at this moment, like, um, just, just I will probably like we have assessment. We describe that. Mm-hmm. The second part, which I told we have a we we generate for you a growth plan. So how your company will grow, mm-hmm. and you will, you will tell us, okay, I would like to go one hundred percent next year and fifty percent year after, and we already will, already will know like like disposition of your of your expanding for your product, for your marketing, and for your general administration cost. Because we will get this from the first assessment. Mm-hmm. And and in this, we generate your whole plan for three years. For, at, at, at this moment, we do at maximum 36 months loans. So it's for three years. You will tell us how much money you need. And we will basically embed this loan for your, for your, gro- for your, uh, for your growth. And this is basically your first offer. <laughs> you know, you're getting this basic out of the box. And uh, this, uh, this loan can have a different repayment types. We will kind of like really like tied up to your, to your growth. So you, you get as most efficient financing as possible. Or like not as possible, but mo- more, more efficient than like you go to bank, they will give you money and you start repaying from next month. Even your business will have a cyclicity of nine months. <laughs> Yeah, and f- from from this you will get the offer. So we we supporting most of the repayment types. So you can you know have a amortization like classical traditional banking, like you know the same amount every month. You can have a, something which called the bullet, which means you repay everything on the on the end. You can have something which called the balloon, 
which increasing the, the, the payment every month. And you have something which called revenue-based finance, which is a percentage of your revenue till the amount it's repaid. Yeah, so this is this is the flexibility. Need to be say, uh, every small change of these loans also uh, also change the pricing or the, or the cost of the loan. And this is this is also like the where we where he's saying like you know you can it's really our collaboration to create something which fits you most because of course if uh, something which suits you the best it's a twenty four percent interest loan which is kind of high then you compromise of the little bit of the of something to to drive it lower mm-hmm. and. As I said, we can give you at the, the default offer in 20 minutes. This will be still maybe suboptimal, but at least you will see the process. At least you will see your opportunity to drive the cost down. Because eventually, of course, you care about the cost. And we understand that. But we care uh, we care about company to repay the, the, the loan in the first place. So it's we are on the same boat. It's not like we want to just maximize the, the return of investment. For us, it's more also the risk if the company will be in good standing, in good health to repay the, the, the loan. But it's, as I say, it's between 12 up to 36 months. Uh, interest rate can be between 13 up to, I think we're like 27, but I will never send anyone 27. <laughs> it's uh, like, you know, the, yeah, very unlikely. You know, we try to, we try to advise all the companies to set up the the loan so they will not go more than 20 or maybe 22 depends but depends how they want to use the use use the use the cash because uh, some of the growth projects can have way over better return of investment so like you know if you expand your company and you have a first client and you know you need to survive 6 months and then you get a 100% which is which is normal case for expansion then like 20, 20 or 22%, that is not much difference for you. But of course, like if you're mm-hmm. buying assets who have a very defined return of investment, it can be more uh, more volatile. Like, yeah, this is also cons- cons- consideration, which we try to discuss with you after this first offer, where you say, okay, this looks doable for me. I I know I can earn more money than paying you for, 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 the, for, the, for the loan. So, and that's why we are really like a centric. We really want to have a personalized loan for everyone who comes along. It's not like you come to us and just basically do, 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 do. like, you know, everyone's the same. No, mm-hmm. every company, yeah, it's, yeah, every yeah. company, it's, it's, it's unique and every loan will be unique towards the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because at the end as well, depends on the business model of the company, right? And the strategy they are implemented or even the target customer they have, right? What are the sales cycles and so on? Yes, yes, exactly. So mm-hmm. we, in one side, we try to really do individual approach with uh, uh, digital tools around. So we save time, they save time. And then then we have a really like good conversation and, and building towards the, the financing with the partner, which we already know, it's on the board. Mm-hmm. Got it. Now, um, yeah, moving out of the all the financial talk for now, but then uh, maybe we should talk about the other type of business that maybe is in a similar uh, concept of providing capital to companies. So which are BCs, and and you mentioned that you were part of the BC community. So. Uh, what does it make the difference between the VC firms and, and you as a threshold capital at the moment? And and are you a collaborator? Or are you a competitor? So maybe we can yeah, talk yeah. About I, that. I, I I get it. <laughs> I get it a lot. I, I I should admit, like some people who just hear my story first time say, yeah, yeah, you are committed to VCs, aren't you? And it's like no, not at all. Like we are like completely different. But it can be really confusing. So the first main differentiation, I'm financing profitable businesses. VC can finance also profitable businesses, but uh, they are specializing to finance R&D mostly on the on the main revenues of a company. And that's usually early stage investment. And these companies are never my clients. So when the VC will decide to finance a profitable business, 
with profitable numbers on their accounting, we can be a great collaborators. I always uh, saying every VC has uh, companies in portfolio which their story deteriorated and it's not longer a growth story which it's a fact there is not something said about it like you know when you when you know in 2015 when you start to build a chatbot business and it was very hot for two years everyone jump on it and then just basically fade out you can become a profitable company a chatbot company of some sorts like you know customer service but since then like every we will look at it like eh, that that ship sailed and it's kind of sad because if your own investor don't give you money no other investor will give you money and in those cases i'm the best best guy for the vc because they still want to support those companies because they still need to some growth and there is basically not other options so i'm, I'm happy to collaborate if i if i decide the company is healthy for me so i even say like i can be a lifeline for some of the businesses of vcs portfolio companies because otherwise they need to find them themselves. And probably, as you know, VC capital is one of the most expensive because they're really promising like huge returns. And, you know, I was there. I fundraised for the fund. And I believe VC has very good position on the market. It just, it just not, it is not just a mainstream offering. It's just not for everyone. VC will always invest in the best of the best, in the most growing industry possible. And that's usually very little of whole economy. I usually say like the VC invest in the top 1.0% and I'm investing in top 5%. So my market can be like 50, 50 times bigger than VC. Uh, in terms of numbers, not in terms of the ticket sizes. Of course, some of the industries in the VC get like crazy tickets. Uh, but on, on the I think on the on the deal flow, I will be always much, much bigger because I invested for short term and the trendiness can be good for me, but it's not really my driver. And the uh, second part, which is very important for between me and VC, I'm financing debt, which is be repaid. It's never be converted. I'm not, I'm, I'm never become a shareholder of the company. So which means I'm not, co I'm not cooperating on their growth strategy. I'm not cooperating on their exits. That's basically not my business, which means I cannot really even have a conflict of interest with VC. We cannot go into fight because I'm not deciding about the company strategy. They do. And that's uh, the last differentiator is like that, that means I can really support 10, 50, 200 companies because those companies don't need me for most of their strategic decisions. I'm not blocking their future investors. I'm not, you know, blocking some, you know, rights or drugs and tags and all these uh, equity uh, rights. I basically just standing very clearly my condition in the beginning. I, as I have no, no directorship, nothing else, nothing like that. So I'm kind of passive. Instead of the VC who are mostly in position of active investor, like, you know, you know, discuss with me your strategy. I'm like, no. That's not my part. Don't ask me anything. If you want something, I'll give you a list of my friends who can help you with, you know, expansion <laughs> to Germany. But don't ask me. Or like, you know, they always asking. <laughs> I always tell like, you know, this is the <laughs> list of the, of, of the people who can tell you better. I'm just lending guy. You know, if you even need money for expansion, call me. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, I'm the passive. And that's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. When the VC is in position to be active and in control, I'm... I'm chilling and give you money where I see you, know, you can you can use money in good way. Mm -hmm. Got it. So, um, so uh, it's clarified about the VCs, of course. So if we can talk about your past as participating in the VC market, let's say. So um, what are the knowledge that you bring from the VC uh, market to your new business? So maybe... As something helps you in that process that now you're applying or how do you feel on that also i see that you have been investing in startups this was because of vcs or as an angel investor or if, yeah how if you can talk about that yeah um first what brings me to 
Of course, mm-hmm. I when you are VC and you did like 20 investments, regardless of if it's a fund or angel, you need to know how to do due diligence. And it took mm-hmm. also like, it was like four years of my, of my life to do analysis and due diligence. And this is also a very crucial part in our business. So this is something which I gain a lot from VC, you know, how to understand the legal part of the business, how to understand accounting, how to uh, uh, understand the team and the, the dynamics, how to understand the, you know, shareholder agreements. And we do very, very similar due diligence in treasure capital as most VC is doing. Uh, there is some ex- uh, mm-hmm. there is some small things like the VC looking for the for the exit future. We we don't care about that one, but we also analyzing the you know the co-founders, their relationships, uh, you know how they generate money if they are if successful. We we probably don't expecting from them to create a twenty five per, per, per page pitch decks. We pretty much care about the financial plans, like you know pitch deck. It's it's good today have some. But it's not something we will just go, oh, no, no, you are not describing your potential well enough. <laughs> yeah, we are really... So main point where they take from VC, it's a due diligence, you know, to be very, very careful because we investing in uh, also young companies, not early, early stage companies, but young companies. As I said, they need to be at least two years in operation and it's still young company. What I invest in, in, in the... Previous, it was mostly as a partner on the, in, in Nation One, and we invested very early stage stages, like the pre-seed seeds companies. So two years before I will touch them as a threshold. <laughs> so I intentionally move a little bit from from companies of very early stage, like ideation or like yeah, I have a first client, and you know I, you know we are two founders and we hire first employee or something like that to companies with like, let's say 10 employees or even 15 or even 50 and you want to grow. So, and uh, yeah, I, I love to support the early stage entrepreneurs, but I also realize I'm product guy. I just basically need to build the product. So my decision to, to move from the VC world was more pragmatic to, towards myself because I'm just love to build the product. And I love to scale it. And if you take it as much as you can, the venture capital, it's a relationship business. And you can't really scale relationship that well. You cannot have 2,000 friends and know their names and their families. It's just, there are some people who I, who I call the super, <laughs> super connectors, but their whole life, it's, it's one big relationship. And I decide I really to have a, want to have an impact on more companies and more people. Even I don't need to know their names, uh, but I can do it only through the scalable product or scalable solution. You can say, you know, because the traditional capital is not one product, which just click and, you know, set the, uh, set the pay button. It's, it's a part of the small products and still the relationship, but itself can be executed, not just me, but for everyone else eventually. So it's a really scalable, scalable solution. And this is a big, big, big difference where, where you say myself as an angel investor or myself as a venture capital partner, uh, you really can, cannot sufficiently service in good quality, you know, many companies. Um, when I started the VC, uh, I remember they telling us like, you know, when you have a three or four companies, you will be overwhelmed. Uh, I remember very distinctly when I had nine companies and it was hard. <laughs> it was hard for, 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 for me because eventually, uh, I, this, is, this is mentioning as, a, as one of the part of the learning, like when you have a 27 founders and you need to understand nine different dynamics with their co-investors, with their market, with their products, with their hopes, with everything, because we are, we are people, people are messy. <laughs> You know, there is emotions, there are like <laughs> ego flying around, especially like, you know, there was, I think, like three girls and 24 dudes, like, you know, it's like emotions everywhere. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like how you start your video call can matter, like, you know, everything. Because end of the day, these people need to decide and uh, uh, about, about the future of company. And on every company, even among the founders, even among the investors, Someone is more vested, someone's less vested, someone's, someone is a 
Someone is tired and don't want to show it. Someone, someone don't, don't give a f about it. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's 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 a it's a very so if you to be a very good venture partner, you be you need to be psychologist, troubleshooter, analytic, and like you know magician at the same time. And there are people like that. There are. That is like the you know, mm. purely born like you know the early stage investors it's not going to be a vc guy it can be an angel they don't need to have a business before yeah, they can be a business like the head head of hr <laughs> or something like that because it's very depend on the people to understand them assess them in their mind and invest into them and believe in them and you know and they need to feel they believe in them and i realize you know i love it in one sense but it just cannot scale scale i i Probably not the super connector guy. Uh, probably <laughs> ever never will be. Maybe in ten years, who knows? But it was my my kind of like uh, decision after some some time to say, yeah, would love to build a product. I would love to build a solution which is scale and like. I don't need to name. Don't need to know the name every of everyone. Sometimes you just don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> even you be you know even this time, because the the equity part it's a marriage in a sense. It's usually mm-hmm. takes between five. And in Central Europe, you know, easily 10 years. Um, you know, I'm married for eight years. So, uh, yeah, if you just compare to that, like, you know, you need to you need to know those people for a very long time. And again, you can help just very finite number. Like, it can be like 20. Even the 20 can sound crazy because in may, many cases, if you take the 20, 20 companies and only their co-founding team, which you communicated, you can feel a bus. <laughs> easy. <laughs> like, you know, easy. You can feel the bus. So it's not... And, and then you can speak about VCs who are like 100 companies or 200 companies. And you're like, man, you can feel a city. <laughs> <laughs> and, and still... Entire community. Yes. And still, you are in the, the, in the position of the power, like, you know, in the position of control. Somehow they need to ask you Okay, what do you think, feel, think, Martin, about this and this and this strategy decision? And you're like, whew, man. And they, you know, they expecting to contribute you and take you and like, you know, can you please give me a few minutes? I want to discuss this investor and this employee. And you know, you're really in this in this very demanding uh, relationship. I'm talking about early stage companies, of course. Like, if you invest in CDSC, uh, you will see them. On some big boards or something, but they will they will not really be willing to call you, you know, send you SMS on Friday at 11 p.m. Say like, you know, sorry, I need to discuss that because we probably will need to, you know, do something strategically, and I need to need to your advice if you're doing it right or wrong. Because of course, if you are if you own a quarter of business, it's your job to 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 know what the business is doing. And uh, yeah, for, for me, really, I just want to say, guys, I assess you. I will be clear and transparent and we'll be passive because I want to really want help 100, 200, 2000, 10,000 of companies in the lifetime of Threshold. Uh, maybe even more like, I don't know what the future will bring, but my vision is very, very set. Like, you know, let's help for growth capital at least you know 10,000 10,000 companies from now to next seven years mm-hmm. good and now you mentioned that of course building the product so how how is this process for you about building the product you just sit down in your computer and code it by yourself or <laughs> do you have some I wish, some team I members wish. <laughs> no no it's 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 very classical blood-driven approach, as I said, you basically <laughs> speak with them, speak with them, speak with them. When when I started to to thinking about the treasure capital as a, as a product, it was like early last year, so like 15 months now. And I think till today, I spoke with about 180 companies. So a good product guy, it's out there and just asking the companies like, okay, do you like it? What hate? What, what are you hating about that? Oh yeah, I send you this information and you never open it. Why? You know why you put? You know I, I <laughs> ask you the question like how big this model, how big this business is apart from your overall business, and you put three thousand six hundred percent. 
that sounds fishy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's stuff like that. So it's really just <laughs> go out there, speak, have a beer, listen, have a beer, food, write down something, then sit for two weeks, code something or design something, then take it out and start again. So it's purely like product develop, product ownership or like product design kind of approach. And yeah, the code, it's easy. You know, end of the day, it's just basically you create a, a plan and just like code it. <laughs> but, to, but to get the idea, mm. code something which you know which you, they will use, uh, yeah, 180 conversation or at least 180 conversation. I have some companies we are spe- speaking for more than one year and we discussing how we can help them, mm. how we already help them. Because many of those companies on the beginning already, do- already got from us this report, like what's good, what's bad. And really like half of them are really like use the information say, oh yeah, I need to improve this and this and that. Because end of the day, they want to have a good business. And they want to have a business which is eligible for the for the debt because they don't need to have equity investor. So you know they can choose to not have it. That's 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 the that's the meaningful thing because you don't want to be forced to have equity partner if you are if you don't want one. Yeah, and this is the this is still how the how it works. Like you know, if you are not good for the bank, sell part of your company. And most founders said, well, no, it is my baby. I don't want to share it. <laughs> or like it's, it's family business and family <laughs> business also don't want to like, you know, because then you are forced in the family. Yeah, got it. So do you have any specific uh, case study of the businesses you already invested or to- well, not invested, but <laughs> having no, a loan it's, it's that a... you have <laughs> that you can mention or not really? <laughs> Uh, I can mention the names because we are still in the process. So we are now mm-hmm. basically underwriting uh, f- uh, loans of five businesses, which we should be done this year. So, you know, think, uh, fingers crossed because the economy is not really good or like the, at least the mood of the people, it's not uh, not the best one. Uh, not yet. Like I cannot speak of anyone. Not mm-hmm. yet. It's we, as I said, like the treasure capital itself. Even it's a as an idea at the project has some time, but a comp- company is basically incorporated in April this year. So we're really like six months old. Mm-hmm. Good. And just to because you said the mindset of the VCs or the banks and so on. So what is the mindset of the investors that you are collaborating with? So why they are joining you and being part of the journey with you? So it, oh, yes, well, of yes. course, so, if we can talk about that. No, 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 of course. Like, it, that's very easy because like I said, as I told you already, like the, the non-banking loans was like the bad thing in the C region. Mm-hmm. And like everyone, like it's like, you know, ah, it's, a, it's an evil or something. This business, uh, it's called private credit. It has a has a has a size of one point two trillion dollars in US. In whole Europe, uh, this business has a size about three hundred billion. Yeah, <laughs> but only eight percent of this three hundred billion it sits in CE. So our market's heavily heavily underserved. Okay. And the asset class itself, it's kind of like sexy one. It's one of the wo- most balanced uh, return, porf- return profiles because in one side, it's kind of the secured because you are senior loaned companies and it, you, you find it's companies who has the revenue. So it's basically less risky than VC. And the part, the repayment starts pretty much at least interest rate very soon. You know, it can be first month, second, third month. So the liquidity, it's it's very soon. And it's repaid in two or third year, third year. So which means it's very sits quite well between, let's say, real estate, which less risk, but also less uh, less return, and the private equity in VC, which can have a better return, but in seven years or 10 years and no liquidity before that. Mm-hmm. So, and this is this asset class which already exists. It's not like... I, I made it up, mm-hmm. but it's heavily underserved here. So my job is really like evangelize something which works outside. It's something which works like quite nicely in France and UK and US 
and Australia. But here it's really like, you know, 8% of the whole Europe, like, and we have like 25% of the whole companies and whole economic growth. Uh, yeah. So which means I'm, I'm appealing to the portfolio manager, asset managers, like, you know, you heard about this, this, these assets, but you know, you cannot get them because we don't have them. Uh, that's, that's why some of the asset managers here are basically buying the private credit from US. Uh, mm-hmm. So... I can tell you a little bit like how about maybe about numbers a little bit. So in US, this asset class create about 8.9% return a year and this established. So what do we believe it can do here where it's still a little bit more like you can ask for premium because they are, let's say, less providers. It can be 10, 12. And in this return profile, it's very, and it's more liquid, more liquid than, uh, than the real estate maybe more risky depends but it's really like it can be a sexy sex a sexy profile because it's very can fit in the portfolio theory and that's the okay. reason why the my investors uh financial I, I call them financial partners because they're really like you know supplying the capital and then repaying it and they don't have any equity in me and they don't have any equity in the in the in the in, the, in our customers so it is sits quite nicely but you need to do a lot of not convincing it's just basically telling the truth like how it works outside and mm-hmm. you know to convince them to believe that it can work here as well because there is no reason to like you know there was the same what we saying 10 years before about venture capital and 20 years before about private equity oh it can work here and now we have a market <laughs> amazing <laughs> Good, good. So you you had been running this company as uh, or several other companies before and working as a VC. So uh, of course the, your level of knowledge of the market, let's say, and different is maybe is a lot based on the experience, right? But I assume as well you follow some books or podcasts or other resources, videos, and so on. That uh, can you mention some of the resources you? If you something comes to your mind, like only one or two, not necessarily go to the entire library. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's the problem because I really, uh, I'm not really listen, uh, listening some, like, you know, the, the diary of CEO, for example, which can be really interesting. Uh, but uh, I mostly read. So like pretty much read most of the books about uh, startup financing, um, yeah, I should say I'm in the dead position where I'm not really saying someone is the someone you need to, I would say, follow every word. I'm more saying like, okay, listen to 20, 10, 15 of them because every one of those successful in their own setup, in their own environment, and they will never be the same as you. So you should not behave as Steve Jobs. You are not him. You are not in the 80s. You should not be as a Bill Gates. And I love them. I love the Bill Gates. I love Steve Jobs. I I even start to become like a Tim Cook. But he's kind of a completely different persona. Yeah, and, yeah it's, uh, and I believe you need to take from every one of those something which will work for yourself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's... it's very, very hard. It's very, very hard to say. And I don't really want to endorse anyone who, who can be good fit. You, you never know. So sorry, sorry for that for the answer. It's it's it's, I mean, it's horrible, but uh... <laughs> uh, it's okay. It's more about uh, well, if I can, yeah, taking knowledge from other industries or other points of views, and maybe they will apply for you, right? Or or you can try it. It's it's not that everything will fit to your business, right? It's just <laughs> okay. I can take this as a guidance from other business models and so on. Okay, um, now uh, you, you said you are sitting in Vienna. So um, what, what is happening in Vienna regarding business and what are the places where you consider people should visit if, if you are uh, a founder in, in Austria? Yeah, so Austria, it's, uh, it's also quite uh, active in active uh, in startups and the company businesses. 
Um, I usually advise you just basically go to austriastartups.com. It's, it's a hub, which it's kind of also supported by government and the city. And there is lots of, lots of information. Uh, I myself try to attend at least one, one in-person event in Vienna every month, just to basically see how they're doing. Uh, I have a lot of friends there, so it's usually like just good, good, good gathering for the beer <laughs> and, you know, rant about something and, you know, it's, 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 it's something which it's from my VC part where you most time you need to build on your relationship. Uh, but yeah, Vienna can be, can be very nice. Uh, there's definitely very interesting ideas here. The good thing about Vienna, it's, it's in between really West and East and this, it's, it's a clenching sometimes. You have lots of people from now also from Ukraine, from Serbia, from Poland, Slovakia, and Czech. And you also have like US people, Indian people, Canadian people. And they just, uh, you see this, this, this knocking of those minds about like, you know, how we're doing this and how entrepreneurship should be here and there. And sometimes it's very, very funny to see uh, how they communicate. <laughs> uh, of course, I'm not that much active in the sense as investing in the startups uh, because of my business, but it's good to good to be there time to time, just like feel how, how they are progressing because some of them will become my clients. Mm. And there is no community, well, or not only in Austria, but in the sea region of business or family businesses or other type of businesses. Because, of course, I see that, of course, there is a lot of movement into startups, right? Or early stage startups, tech startups, right? But then in, in the other type of more traditional businesses, do you see any type of community that if you are that you are part or not really at the moment? Um, like usually these communities are live in the co-working spaces. Mm -hmm. So it's the same, like you have a, in Prague, you have a hub hub or impact hub. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, the V work sometimes works. There is a campus city in Bratislava. Uh, there is, uh, I have like 10 of them in Vienna, like Talent Garden and, and so on. And th that's quite nice. I, I should say for me, it's, a uh, And now I will be uh, kind of a little bad. Uh, most of them just try to do something. I did not know how. Um, many times I see like this uh, wannabe entrepreneurs who want to build something. They don't know how or they don't want to do the, the next step. And that's something which took me myself. My first two businesses failed because... I was very hesitant to execute some things because I was afraid about feedback. And I see many people in this hotspot to basically be there, drink coffee, discussing, but never leave the shell. And as you ask me how I'm building really the product, it's the same as, as you are building a business. You're just going there where our customers are, where your customers are. Not where your, where your buddies are <laughs> going for coffee or discussing for the football or, or beer. I'm going resting there. I'm going to do a rest there. So if I'm going to do all these uh, uh, hubs, I'm just going for the chats. That was my intention. I'm not going there to find customers. And I still feel most people believe they will build business in this hub spot. No. Is, are you selling something to startups? No. Just go out to your customers. Don't be there. And this took me years to learn Because it's really, you know, you feel safe there because everyone complained business, business <laughs> and life is hard. <laughs> you know, I do it as well. Everyone doing it. But, you know, if you want to build something and really like deliver the value, those guys can be your buddy for, for beer and for the, you know, for calm time, but just go out mm -hmm. and start to discuss with your customers. Mm -hmm. You have them. Everyone has a customer. Even it's like, you know, U.S. government and go to U.S. and speak with U.S. government or it can be, a, you know, middle aged man living in your building. I don't know, but just don't go for the coffee for a whole day and pretend you are, you know, changing the world and sitting and typing in a computer. No, you are not. You need to go out and speak and, you know, understand and, and fail and try to again and again and again and again. So it's not about the place to, to do just. Basically, your customers will always be the one who will help you to fund your business. 
not investor, not friend who can do have a good designer. No, it will be a customer. Mm -hmm. Good. So your recommendation is go and interview around 180 people. That's or for your customers, right? Companies. Companies. <laughs> Companies. Good. And we haven't we haven't stopped. Like you know, I believe like we'll drive this this number to lot lot higher in coming years. <laughs> Good. Well, of course, it will never stop since you will always keep adding more uh, problems to solve in, in the same genre, let's say. <laughs> Good. So uh, to close the, the call for today, so how can people reach you out and get to know more about you and Treasure of Capital? Yeah, I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, so, you know, just ask or request to connect or send a message. I'm happy to help uh, if I can to help. Okay. So thank you very much, Martin, for your time today. And I hope you can continue on the on this quest to help companies with their growth capital. And you can find or fund these uh, more than 10,000 companies in the next years. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah. See time. you around. Thank you very much for joining us. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and gained valuable insights. Feel free to share with your friends and looking forward to seeing you next time.